1: Brittany Richmond here with the Speaker Lab. And today I'm sitting down with my friend and fellow speaker, Dean Hefta. Dean's been a speaker for years. He's also an author and he's worked with companies to help them level up their leadership. When he's not speaking, he is literally elbow deep in his field because he's also the president of the Illinois chapter of the National Speakers Association. During our conversation, Dean and I dig into where his speaking journey started, what it looks like now, and his tips and tricks from going from point A to point B in your business. What I'm really excited about is that we discuss how to intentionally donate your time, what it means to be in the quote unquote, figure it out zone, and how to know what season of your business you're currently in. This episode has so many great nuggets to help equip you in your own speaking journey and business. So I'm thrilled to share this conversation with you. I hope you enjoy it, friends. Here's the episode. What's up, y'all? Brittany Ritten here with the Speaker Lab podcast, back for another amazing episode because y'all demand it, and I'm super pumped. And the episodes so far have been fabulous. Also, Happy New Year. I don't know at what point it's socially acceptable to keep saying that or when we're done, but either way, I wanted to start the year off with some amazing humans, amazing people in my life who've inspired me, who've helped me grow and all the things. And today I have a good friend of mine and how we met is hilarious. And I can't wait for him to tell you that whole story. But this is Dean Hefta. He's amazing. He's also the chapter president for the Illinois chapter of the National Speakers Association. So we'll get into that. So don't worry. But Dean, welcome to the Speaker Lab podcast. How are you, friend?
2: I'm great. Thanks so much for having me today, Brittany.
1: I'm happy you're here. OK, so the first question I ask everybody, which is probably the most important question that everybody wants to know, is when you go on stage, what is your walkout song or what is your ideal walkout song? I mean, this is going to be so I mean, I need to know this just for me, just knowing you. I'm like, what could this possibly be? So, <laughs> well, it's got to be
2: Tiger, right? I mean, that's the classic go to, right? You got to get people up.
1: I <laughs> am the tiger. I can just imagine like what the. Please, next time. Um, so I hope I see you speak soon and I'm gonna just play it on my cell phone if it's not playing in the background. So that'd be awesome. That's that's what I'm gonna do. So tell us about yourself, sir, and what is it that you do and what you speak about and all the things. Tell us what we need to know. Awesome,
2: sure. Yeah, so I'm uh an Illinois-based uh trainer and speaker. And uh what I do is when I'm speaking or the training that I'm doing is really focused on uh, leaders, new leaders, executive leaders in uh mostly agriculture uh construction, manufacturing, a lot of those um you know industries that make things I think of it as, and it's <laughs> um for me, it's about helping the people have the tools to lead more clearly and more confidently through better communication, clarity about what's my role, how do we innovate, how do we really serve our customers and uh, so it's a combination for me and my business between stage time, you know whether that's keynote or breakout association speaking, or uh, a big part of it is longer term engagements with my clients, helping them to really level up their leadership inside the organization. And a lot of the work that I do, both in my speaking and in my training, is really uh, curated for that client and for their objectives. And so I do a lot of uh, customization work in both my speaking and in my training.
1: I think that's something that makes you wildly unique, Dean, is you do quite a bit of customization, and we've talked about that before, and I love that. And just the piece you mentioned on longer-term engagements something we coach and train here on is, you know, we're not always interested in showing up for the one-off, you know, getting paid to speak, then we're out the door, then we're done, right? Like, we really, like to tell our students and tell ourselves getting gigs from gigs or like packaging yourself so you can work with the same organization multiple times, thus increasing your speaker fee. So how like when you're out there and you're working with these longer term engagements, when you say longer term, what does that look like? Or does it vary from client to client?
2: Yeah, it's situational. But uh, when I think about my longer term engagements, it might be a six month to 16 month type of a project where we have an objective where we're taking uh, their new leaders or their frontline leaders or the executives through a journey. And so that's incorporating some, it could be tools or processes, uh, or simply just equipping them with some new ways of thinking. I I utilize uh, some different psychometric tools. So increasing self-awareness, because I believe that's the foundation of being able to grow and then also having us come together as an organization to determine, you know, what are we really about? And it's maybe not surprising, but a lot of successful businesses really haven't stepped back to uh, think about where are we going? What are we about? Uh, what are we here to do? And so bringing some of that conversation to the table as an outsider, I get to be that outsider to get them wrestling with some of those questions that don't naturally come up. And uh, so that's the kind of the time frame uh, that I end up. but. At the same time, you know, I have many clients where maybe it's not one engagement, it's just that we have a long trusted uh, relation that lasts year after year after year and they keep coming back for, you know, as situations pop up or as they think of somebody that they want to bring as a trainer, they turn to me. And so I think of both of those as types of longer term relationships.
1: Yes, I think we've talked about it and we talk about it here at Speaker Lab, how this business is very much a relationship business, right? You have to be in it for the long haul. So these these longer term engagements, I know people are hearing this and they're probably thinking, how would you even go about acquiring that? Is that what you lead with when you speak with someone initially? Or do you build that relationship? And over time, you all kind of come together and you're like, this is what I would recommend. Let's work together for six months or let's work together for this. So how does that, that conversation come to those longer term engagements?
2: It's a great question because if you're thinking about getting down that path, it can be easy to you know wonder what the prescription is, right? What's the What's the steps I get to get these... And I'd say I was not um, very uh, prescriptive in my approach to it. My approach to getting to these relationships has really been, first and foremost, have them uh, get an experience with me. And so that could be at an association or at a community event. Uh, For example, I'm thinking about one of my clients. I spoke at a a local chamber of commerce event. You know, I donated my message to them for a, a lunch and learn kind of a thing. And, um, one of a couple of the people that were in that audience followed up with me and said, Hey, we'd, we'd like to talk with you about some of the things that we're needing. And that's turned into a really long-term relationship. And so getting out there and getting heard. And, um, you know, for, for me, I think if there's two pieces, you know, people say, how do you do more speaking? How do you get more gigs? Um, a, and I, I say this a little bit tongue in cheek, but it's true. Be good right i mean step 1 is yes. be good Absolutely. and um, and i think for me be good is a combination of two things bring some substance that helps people uh deal with whatever headache they're dealing with so you got to bring something to material and then be engaging right i mean have fun and, and <laughs> <Right>. be dynamic <laughs> and so uh, so the be good side <laughs> is important and then uh the uh be known and so i think there's lots of different ways to be known Whether that's getting out in the community, uh, maybe it's saying to a prospective client that you'd like to do work with, hey, I'd like to come in and do a 30-minute roundtable with a group of your executives. I wouldn't charge for it, but, you know, I want to, you know, share this. I think it'd be helpful for you. And you start developing that trusting relationship. And so I think there's a lot of pathways to that if you have the vision of wanting those longer-term engagements, um, but every one of mine has been a start small. Uh, one of my biggest ones right now, they heard me speak at a conference, the same conference three years in a row. And one day I got an email and they said, Hey, we've heard you several times. Here's what we're wanting to work on. We think you might be a good fit for us. And that's turned into a multi-month, uh, really, uh, in-depth engagement.
1: Oh my gosh. I mean, that just really comes down to the whole, it's a marathon, not a sprint. I mean, we work with new students. I feel like everybody at some point has that feeling initially, you know, like if after a couple months, they're like, I haven't got any gigs yet. Like this is really stressing me out. And they're really focused on, you know, just landing that first paid gig, which is good. But the relationships that you're building, those connections, just like that particular one, you spoke for the same organization three years in a row before it led to this long-term Engagement. You said something earlier that was really interesting. You said you donated your time to the Chamber of Commerce. Now we work a lot with people who speak in the corporate space, the business circuit, the association space, and the Chamber of Commerce is is a great opportunity for people to show up and, and. and speak to potential businesses that could eventually bring them in to work with them um, so my question to you is how often do you do quote unquote free opportunities or donate your time to see the ROI in the long term is that something that you do more now did you do more before is this something you still do what advice would you have there
2: uh, yeah so um, I'd I did a, probably a decent amount of it early on, you know, so whether it's Rotary or it's uh, chamber of commerce, we, you know, it's like get out there and get an audience and get known. Yeah. And what was funny when I was first starting out, so I've been on my uh, own working for myself for about five years now. And so it's been, you know, that journey, many of you listening are maybe in a similar, you know, space or time frame, And it was, it was cool that, um, you know, I remember speaking at a Rotary and there was a few people there that knew me somewhat outside of my current context, what I was really creating from a speaking training. And uh, one of the person, uh, one of the people that were there afterwards said, wow, uh, I I guess I never really knew that you could do that. I always (laughs) thought you were kind of a a quieter, uh, you know, professional (laughs) guy and, and there, there you are. Right. You know? And so you've got to give people some uh, some exposure to the thing that mm-hmm. you want to do more of, and I do it some now. And you know, the old saying is, "There's there's many ways to get paid." And sometimes uh, one of the ways we get paid is if they'll record it, or give a testimonial, mm-hmm. or you know, have some other non cash exchange. That's okay. And right. so even today, I might you know there might be a, a, a chamber that's doing something, and I don't think of it transactionally. I just want to be able to think of it as, uh, I want to also give back to my community. And I, I think you can even think of that in a business strategy. Like there's a percentage maybe of your time that you're actually better off just donating as a mm. gift rather than trying to calculate some sort of uh, discount. And um, that that can be easier that it's like, I either charge a full amount or I give it away. Like those can be your two price levels. Um, so everybody, you know, you get your own uh, choice and how you want to approach it.
1: I love that. I love that. And how, when you first started, like you said, you've been working for yourself now for five years. When you first started, what, what advice would you give to the people that are just starting on their speaking journey that are hearing you and they're like, well, five, you know, five years later, everyone's got it figured out, which we don't, you know, like we're just all doing the things, right. We're just consistently doing the (laughs) reps and doing the process. But, um, when you remember when you were first stepping out and doing this, like you said, you were trying to get as much exposure as possible, but what else, like what else, what other advice would you give to the newer speaker coming into the space?
2: Well, I think there's a few things. One is, um, be be cautious of comparing yourself to somebody that's been doing it for 10 years, but rather use them as inspiration. And what we're really aiming at is what's my next step? Um, mm. So let's take an example. This 16-month you know, in-depth engagement, if they had come to me five years ago, I wouldn't have been ready to offer them the value that they deserve. Right. So Mm. it's always looking at what's my next best step. And even, you know, 15 year, 20 year veterans who are running, you know, huge businesses are still in that figure it out zone. That's my encouragement is you should always be in that figure it out zone. That means you're pushing to say, okay, what's the next problem to solve for? What's that next step? And I don't mean from a treadmill like I've got to look better or keep up with the Joneses. But that's what keeps you sharp. That's what keeps you bringing content because you have to stay ahead of your audience. And um, so that's one thing is look for inspiration, but not comparison. Uh, The next is my wife and I joked um, that my first year on my own, I called it my year of yes. Um, And so know what season you're in. And my season that first year was I just said yes to everything, right? You just get out there. And you, you figure out by doing things that maybe you hadn't planned on, uh, that experience lets you know, what am I good at? What do people ex- uh, respond to? What are people wanting? What, do, what will they pay for? And so that was mm-hmm. my year of yes, which was kind of contrary to a lot of the advice that we get that you have to say no to a lot of things. You have to be very disciplined and very targeted. And I think it's okay to be very broad early on if you know that you're doing that for a purpose to get feedback right? You're kind of putting feelers out, understanding the market. It's really hard to sit in a vacuum and decide, you know, X, Y, Z steps are going to lead to this outcome. The world's a lot messier than that. People are a lot messier than that.
1: I'm curious because you kind of have a niche market now. I mean, agriculture, construction, I mean, like it never would occur to me to kind of lean into, was that always the target audience that you wanted to lean into? Was that kind of demographic or did you start with a certain, uh, because you have a message that could really go to a lot of different audiences, right? So like, how did you find your niche in this little this little corner of the yeah. area?
2: And, and I do, I end up speaking uh, it more broadly than I, I mean, I have clients in uh, global insurance. I have um, nonprofit organizations, right? So I do work outside of that. Um, probably the easiest step into, especially agriculture was that's primarily my background. So I grew up on a farm. Oh, yeah. I spent a majority of my career in that world. So I know the language, uh, I have contacts, like I, I understand, uh, the lay of the land, if you will, no pun intended. Ah, uh, and funny. then I have other contacts <laughs> in, in some of those other industries, construction, manufacturing, I understand the language and, um, I connect with, with the people in the audience. And so it ended up being just, you know, business gets business and you end up, you know, continuing not only to get better with your, uh, with your content for the audience, but also uh, deeper into your referral base in that in that place. So it doesn't mean that I'm not going to speak or do work outside of that, uh, but that's that's really my um, easiest uh, place to deliver value very quickly.
1: I love it. I love it. And so, what is your process now of getting booked and paid? So you said something and we believe it too. Like the more you speak, the more you speak, you know, more exposure. People are, you're building those relationships. People are reaching out. So, I mean, prospecting always serves a place. Absolutely. So what is your process of getting consistently booked and getting out there with more exposure now?
2: Well, here's my disclaimer. I And I tell this to people, uh, you should not follow any of my marketing advice or any of my... <laughs>
1: You heard it here first. So everyone just turn off the episode. We're done.
2: (laughs) Speaker lab is, has got like much, much better systems than Dean does. Um, for, for me, uh, it's really, it's really just been, um, and this, this probably sounds lame. I don't have a good marketing system. It's, I just, I get a lot of referrals. And That's I've good. Got great that's, that's
1: what you want. That's what you want, yeah. right? <laughs> Get your referral yeah. business to take off.
2: <laughs> I don't have a big outbound strategy. I don't have, um, you know, high, you know, all the drip campaigns and all that. Um, so, you know, I feel very blessed uh, with being able to to have a good business. And and um, you know, as I think into 2024, you know, I'm I feel good because I'm probably let's say you know, 70, 80% of my goal, uh, from a business standpoint is, is, you know, booked or, or committed to right now. So that, that allows also then some experimentation. Cause I think for speakers, trainers, coaches, whatever it is, you also have to carve out a a portion of your energy and your money, uh, to think about some reinvention, you know, what's, what's kind of that next step. You don't want to, you don't want to get stale and you want to experiment, and, and try some different things and so that's something that I have to tell myself and encourage others i I naturally kind of experiment and try different things um but for each each your own right I mean that's a great thing about this business uh, mm. you get to build whatever you want to do and yes it's your business
1: that's what I love and I tell speakers all the time especially new speakers they're like well, how, how many gigs can I do? Or can I say yes to certain things? Or they ask all these questions. I'm like, you can do whatever you want, friend. Like this is, this is you, the business is you and your message. And I know that, uh, this past year you just released a book, right? There was a a book that you released. Is this your first book? I forget. It's your second book. Yeah.
2: This is the the first, uh, book that I've done. Yep.
1: I like it. Tell us a little bit about it. Tell us about the book, Dean. Tell us about the book. Yeah,
2: sure. So it's um, it's called How We Connect, and one of the tools that I use with my executive coaching and training, and I, I speak a little bit on this, comes from the world uh, of understanding of personality and communication called Process Communication Model. So I'm a trainer uh, in that, um, a certified trainer, and I use that to help people increase their awareness of psychological needs, communication styles, distress patterns. And really, if you look at a, a team of executives, if they're not able to manage communication, distress, psychological needs for motivation, they're going to struggle to really get the organization to where they want to get it to. And so this is one of the tools that helps, um, like what we talked about earlier, the self-awareness. And mm-hmm. you know, there's four different channels of how we connect with people. And there's six different perceptions of how we interpret the world around us. And uh, so that book is really aimed at an explanation of the main components of a process communication model. So it's a nice companion for anybody that's had some exposure uh, to that world. And it's a nice resource for that. And I wrote it with my co-author. He's actually a Parisian. And so it was across the Atlantic that we wrote this uh, using Zoom, and uh, it was a nice journey, and I I can see how people get hooked on you know that process. I mean, it's partly a terrible process, but it's also uh, partly a very inspiring uh, and important process. Uh, writing a book because it forces you to really get your your thoughts organized and go through the that work, and I believe that's part of the reason why having a book as a speaker is valuable. It isn't about what's in the book. It's it's a piece of evidence that you're showing i have dedicated time Mm -hmm. to getting deep in this subject and so there's a credibility factor so that let's say you write a book that only 12 people buy the purpose of the book for a speaker really isn't about selling thousands of copies it's about the evidence that i know my stuff and so there's a halo effect that can come with that book um so yeah that's that's been a cool experience
1: I love it. And you didn't write this book the first year you started doing this. You wrote it like four years into your entrepreneurship journey or did it? Well, the reason I say that, Dean, is because like I think what a lot of people get excited with the get go, we hear them say, I'm going to start speaking, write a book, do a podcast, be a coach, a consultant. And we always say you can do it all. You just can't do it all once. Right. So that's why it's like, (laughs) what was the journey to the book? Like, how did that journey come along? Yeah,
2: it it started with my co-author um he he reached out to me and he said, "Hey, you know, I think we should write a book together." And I said, um, "Well, why why and why me?" And uh <laughs> <laughs> so I I made him, you know, justify why I should be his co-author. <laughs> and it really um I didn't write that book or we didn't write that book for the sake of my speaking business as a disclaimer, mm-hmm. right? So it's not aligned with my primary message. It was really uh, because we felt compelled to put this together for the community in process communication mm-hmm. model and get that message out to more people. Uh, but it's been a great companion for me in my journey, uh, but it took a long time. You know, we we worked on it for several years and sure, you can sit down and you can write a book in a month, uh, but yeah. ours having quite a bit of technical stuff And we were dealing with lots of other, um, you know, people to get the validation and and support on the book. It just took us a lot longer uh, than maybe the average speaker book.
1: Well, I love it. I love it. You have it. I remember you had your book release party, but I was out speaking when you had it. And I was like, I can't attend the party. But I saw pictures and it went over super well. It looked like so super excited for you. And shameless plug for myself. I don't know if you've seen like I actually just finished my book and that is something that's coming out. I know. Little happy dance, everybody. Happy dance. Awesome. I know. But um, yes, just like you said, the purpose is not to sell millions of copies and be like this national bestseller. But I mean, if it happens, uh, no one's going to be yeah, upset by it. it. Right?
2: You'll take it. we're
1: going to take it. It's fine. But um, yeah, it gives a little more of that, that credibility. Like you said, that halo effect. <laughs> can,
2: can, I, can I go back to something you said earlier? Sure. <laughs> okay. Is that okay? Can I do that, Brittany? <laughs> Please um, do, Dean. So you you mentioned something about there's you know you build your business your way. And um, when we first met, so it was at Influence in Nashville.
1: Oh yes, let us tell the story.
2: Right? <laughs> and so I want to tell two <laughs> stories in one. You know why I got to thinking about this. So that was my first. So uh, National Speakers Association, if you're not familiar, is really the. Um, Global associate or national association for people who are professional speakers. There's a lot of trainers. There's a lot of coaches. There's lots of ways to be speakers. It's not just you know the Tony Robbins uh, you know type model of speaking. There's there's a wide variety of speaking. And so I got involved in our in our local chapter a few years ago. I began uh, participating on our board, and I felt well. I I should go to the national event and and the national speaker association is really two primary, uh, national events. They have influence, which is their summer, like big conference. and they have mm-hmm. what's called thrive, which is the winter uh, workshop. And uh, so my first event was influence in Nashville. And you guys, your, your booth was like the premium location. Like everybody had to walk right by your booth and you had your team there and your staff there. And, uh, you know, I, periodically I'd stop in and and chat oh, you guys funny. up and give you a hard time and all that stuff. And uh, I remember, so you and I were talking and you said, um, I said, where are you from? And you said Illinois or Chicago. I think you said Chicago. Chicago.
1: Right? Chicago. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and I said, oh, well, that's, that's, that's pretty cool. I said, I live near Peoria and your eyes kind of got big and you're like, well, I actually <laughs> live by Peoria too. And so it turns out we're kind of uh, somewhat neighbors here in our our community. So ever since then, we've headed off and we've put together some speaker gatherings and we're always strategizing about supporting the speaker community. And what I wanted to to add on to that was one of the things that struck me, you know, whether it's getting into the community in your local area uh, for National Speakers Association or if it's at the broader national level, um one of the things that struck me is there are no two speaker businesses that are the same. Yeah. Like I mean I've I've talked to hundreds of speakers there are not two that are the same. And it's really going to reflect your skill, your personality, your your aptitude, your interests, your market, your topic and they're, you know, I met speakers who they're on the road doing Two hundred speeches a year,
1: oh, right? I and know. Love it, love, love it, love it. I would not love it. <laughs> he
2: takes his family <laughs> with. They travel all over. He just loves it, and he doesn't Great. have. He doesn't have a book. He doesn't have a course. He doesn't have a podcast. He doesn't have anything. Yep. He just speaks. Right, loves it. And then you have others that have huge, uh, you know, tens and hundreds of thousands of YouTube followers, and they have mm-hmm. a huge virtual business, you know, and, and it's just remarkable and inspiring to see how many ways we can build a business. But the key is we, what you said earlier, we can't do them all. Yeah. Pick a couple things that you find interest and that you have the energy for and lean into it as avenues to serve your audience.
1: Yes. I only have energy for teenagers, for adults. Not so much. You're okay though, Dean. I got you. I have energy for you. You're like a big kid at heart, Dean. That's Nikki why we up. get along. <laughs> but yes, we were at NSA. And I, for full disclosure, I always say Chicago, Illinois, because people forget that Illinois is a whole other state other than just Chicago. So I'm always like, Illinois, they're like, oh, Chicago. I'm like, oh, sure. Yeah, I'm from Chicago. But it just so happens we're like within 30 minutes of each other. And I was just like, this is weird. <laughs> Someone's calling me out and knows where I live. <laughs> <laughs> but it worked out. It worked out so great. So speaking of NSA, you are the chapter president of the state of Illinois, which is very exciting. Congratulations for all of that. Tell us the benefit of NSA. I I mean, I know there's a lot of training. Like if someone was listening and they're like, why would I join the NSA? Like what would be the benefit for me to do that?
2: Well, there's a couple things uh, that I think of. First is like any organization, you get out of it what you put into it. And so yeah. any organization is going to have people that pay the dues and they sign up. And a year later, they say, I didn't get anything out of it. Well, anything like that, you're going to get out what you put in. And so that means showing up and asking and engaging and, and maybe even starting with a clarity of what's the problem that I'm solving in my business or the thing that I'm creating, that having a community of like-minded and like-experienced people can help me with my business. So if you go into it with that mindset, saying, hey, this is a community that has resources um, that doesn't exist to serve me, but rather I can contribute to, and in that process, I'm going to get better, right? And that means contributing time and and being engaged. But um, you have the national organization. So, you know, you you can join the national organization and not join a local chapter, and that gives you, you know, uh, access to... Recorded content. So, if you have certain topics, you can dive in. and You can watch people presentations on it. Uh, it has, re- you know, regularly distributed content. It gives you access to lots of the professional speakers. They are the ones who have your uh, certification for professional speaking, the CSP. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you can pursue your certification, which is nice evidence for meeting professionals to say, "Hey, I'm a professional speaker." You know, less than twenty percent of speakers in the country that are professionals have this certification. Um, but it's really about the mantra for both national and local is build a better business and become a better speaker. That's the focus so there's content that helps us build business and there's content that helps us speak better. That same translates into a local chapter, so ours is called National Speaker Association of Illinois. It's a primarily chicago uh oriented membership, but you know here we are further down state
1: right um
2: and that what I love about our state chapter is the relationships, and so i um I have friends that are resources that are inspiration that are in this world that understand the weirdness of the speaking <laughs> world like I mean this is right. not this is, normal. This is not normal people <laughs> right? right? <Normal>, yeah, you know? <laughs> you know, so normal people. Should not get into you know this type of a business. Um, I agree. (laughs) This is for exceptional people or abnormal people, whatever you want to call it. And it's a fairly uh, solo venture, right? You're kind of out here by yourself, and to sustain uh, innovation and to sustain the hard times and the uncertainties and the ups and the downs, I believe you need a community, and you're you're friend group and your family group will smile and nod as you're sharing things. But they don't really understand or they can't offer maybe the insights that the people in uh, the yeah. speaking community can. So it's immediate access uh, to people who are just amazing. And there's something in NSA called the spirit of Cavett. Uh, so Cavett, Robert, was the founder, uh, one of the founding members of National Speaker Association. And the ethic inside the association is really about people who have who are successful. People who are doing this business have an obligation to invest in and support the next generation and the new people that are coming into the business. And that is a pervasive ethic that's a part of NSA that's so important uh, for helping really helping people into the business. Because the theory is it isn't about dividing a limited pie up into more mm-hmm. pieces so that I end up with less. It's about saying how can we together make the pie bigger.
1: Yes. Yes. How can we help each other win? I think that's so, so incredible. And I agree with what you said. I tell my husband all the time, things that happen in my speaking business. And he's just like, sounds great. And I'm like, okay, like anything to add to that, you know, (laughs) it's like, but um, yes, I love the community aspect too. I mean, you and I have got together multiple times. I mean, um, we need too soon, by the way, I know we talked about it. And like just this past weekend too, I actually attended an event that I keynoted at last year because I wanted to see and meet the speakers that were there this year. So, you know, and I have a good relationship with those decision makers. I think that's important too, um, that I make note is I often attend events I've formally spoke at. If I have a good relationship with those people, so I can continue to meet other speakers and watch them speak too. Like, I want to see other people speak in my industry, not to copy what they do, but I like to learn like what what's working, like, like how do they use humor or body language or inflection, you know, and just constantly growing our craft. Because I think people, especially coming into the business, sometimes forget that it is a craft, right? It's very much like something we consistently work on and 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 not just the talk, but ourselves, right? To constantly be authentic, but, you know, lean into... You know, what makes it unique from our own perspective?
2: That word that you use craft is really important because if we go back to look at the origin of that word, craft is really the fusion of the art and the science. And that's what speaking mm-hmm. is. It's art and science. Like there's, there's some specific things that are scientific that, it, that we need to understand and know and do. But if you know all of those and you don't have the art side, um, it's not going to work. And so being exposed to other speakers is really inspiring. Like you said, not for the sake of copying their jokes or things like that. Correct. But we are natural mimickers, and so if we are around talented people, we begin absorbing uh, some of those things uh, into how we approach things. And also, it allows you to know whom to refer because the speaking business, because it's building a better, a bigger pie. Let's build a referral network. And so, if you yeah. know that you have a conference that. They only bring people back every three years while they are looking for people. And if you have two or three other really dynamite youth speakers that you're able to vouch for, well, what are those speakers going to do someday when they're in the same position? You're going to be on their list. And so that's a big, uh, important part of the relationships that we're building as speakers, too.
1: Oh, 100 percent. I I'm definitely all about, like I said, helping people win. And I have referred some amazing speakers to great relationships that I have in the industry. And I'm super grateful. And they've, they've, they've slayed the day. And I'm so happy to watch them do all their things. So I love this. This conversation is fabulous. Dean, I have a question. If you, What do you feel like is the most underrated piece of advice that we don't often give enough or that newer speakers or even like speakers who have been speaking for a few years Maybe need to hear what is the piece of advice that you're like we don't talk about this enough or this is really underrated and this is could be from your perspective or just what you know.
2: Yeah, underrated advice. Um, I don't know if this is underrated advice, but it's get back to the basics. It right mm. now it's really easy for people to get distracted and I think some people are coming through this, but. The last three years, there's been so much technology and there's so much pizzazz and you got to do this and you got to do that. And so be willing to focus on the basics, get back to the basics, keep it simple. And remember, you don't have to build somebody else's business. You have to build your business. And so um, the only advice that I tend to give or that I try to give is don't take advice.
1: No, I love it. Okay,
2: right? So, but hear me out. The risk when people, especially when they're entering into this, this new business world is they are so hungry for people to tell them what to do. They'll take all of this advice and they'll hit this moment of overwhelm where they're like, I, I can't do all of this. Mm. And so don't take advice, take the insight and apply it to you and your client and your situation. And make it your own, right? Don't just copy and paste because what happens is if I copy and paste somebody's advice and it doesn't work, who do I get to blame? Right. Them.
1: That was excellent. I've got to make it my own. That was excellent. So y'all heard it. Don't take any of Dean's advice from this, this, this podcast episode. Don't take my advice. No, Seriously. (laughs) Don't
2: take my advice.
1: (laughs) No, this is great. Okay. So one of the things I ask people, because, I want it to be relatable. That's why I asked this question. Cause a lot of times things happen on the speaking trail that are imperfect, right? <laughs> like we've set out, we're like, this is gonna be great. Like, and then all of a sudden, whether it's tech or we have an a wardrobe malfunction, something. Anyway, we would like to know, tell our audience your funniest or most awkward, or or sometimes it's actually really devastating. Like we've had people that have said, You know, I spoke on a topic that wasn't mine and it completely flopped and I learned the hard way, you know, like just kind of those kind of situations. So what is your funniest, most awkward speaking experience to date? If you have one, if you can think of one.
2: Oh, yeah. So I don't I don't know if they have any like, uh, you know, wowser stories, but I think the biggest thing is it it always ends up being um, probably the tech issue that throws people off. And so you know I've had like anybody who's spent any stage time many mm-hmm. situations where you know midway through your mic pack dies or whatever, right, so you lose audio and what i have have really worked on is because I've been on the other side, I've hired speakers, I've dealt with putting conferences together, I've done all of that, and I've seen the prima donnas, oh yeah, and so. When you're speaking and there's a tech hiccup or there's, you know, the slides aren't working the way they should or the audio isn't working the way they should. My takeaway when I've had those situations is I know that in that moment I have an opportunity to build my brand. And what what do I want my brand to be? Which here's my real brand. And that is how am I viewed by meeting professionals? That's your, your referral base. And if I manage my frustration, if I stay cool, we work through it, and I bring some humor in to work through the situation with the audience, everybody's like, you see, the thing is, people are, are going to find out who you are when things aren't going well.
1: Mm-hmm. And so you gotta be ready. Yeah.
2: How am I going to handle this? I'm going to treat people with respect. We're going to work through it. It's cool. Right? So we're going to demonstrate the leadership of ourself in those unexpected situations because the tech is going to fail. And so be ready for, you know, plan for the tech to fail, plan for the situations where they can't get your slides up. You know, I, I had a situation where I thought the place that I was going, this is going to be live recorded and, and distributed globally. Oh, I thought there was going to be a timer because they said, you only have 35 minutes. Um, there was no timer. I thought there would be a confidence monitor to be able to see my slides. There was not, and so i I did not have a click. I just had to just lay it out, and and I the last word I said said they hit. They said cut because it was both. Uh, actually, it was recorded, but it was going to be presented as live anyway. And they they said uh, I said how long how long was that? Because I had no idea what the time length was and they said that was 33 minutes. Perfect.
1: <sighs> nice job. You know, so
2: in those moments if you don't manage yourself when you have yeah. those expectations now, so what was my failure? There were some things I should have checked on going into it that I just assumed the studio would have set up.
1: Mm. I
2: shouldn't do that, right? So that's on me. It turned out they're like, "That was amazing." I'm like, "Okay."
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. Totally. No, I I get it. There are things I feel like I learned the hard way on all that stuff too. Like, is there a confidence monitor? Like I I travel with my own clicker now because it never fails. They tell me there's a clicker, but there have been no clickers. (laughs) I carry two. Oh my goodness. I got to step my game up. I'm going to take your (laughs) advice. So also (laughs) take your advice. Yes. I always tell people like you want to be the easiest speaker that people work with and how you are on stage, like when stuff happens, right? Like you said, like that's going to speak volumes just about who you are as a person. So I always tell our students to, I'm like, you should just know that things are going to go wrong. Just like already sit with it. Right. <laughs> just yeah, sit if you're with flying it. in,
2: If you're flying in, it's the little things, let them know you arrived.
1: Right? Exactly. So you got to be,
2: you got to be thinking, how do I get rid of their anxiety? Yep. Um, and so I'm just going to communicate. I'm going to be cool. Unflappable. It's going to be great. And ultimately, ultimately, ultimately focus on serving the audience. Like that's my North star, right? And this is none of this going on is for us.
1: Exactly. And it's
2: easy to forget that it's all about serving our audience.
1: Yes. And I think that to that point, I truly believe that what we do on stage is such a small part of our roles. Like when it's what we do when we get off stage, that really, really matters. Like those conversations and how we interact not only with the audience, but mm-hmm. other decision makers. It's just, it's, it's the whole experience of what it means to be a speaker speaking. is just a small part of that, you know, and I, I love it. I love it. So what's your favorite part, Dean, of being a speaker? What's your favorite part?
2: Um, I think that's the creativity, right? Good so I think yeah. it's- yeah, I think it's like so what we're doing any of us is solving problems. Mm-hmm. And solving problems requires creativity. And so you get to play around with uh ideas and approaches and stories and 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 try new things and experiment and get feedback, rapid feedback. You know, so I think speaking uh right behind um comedy like stand-up comedy which I've not done stand-up comedy but <laughs> you get rapid feedback like you can't you can't pay your you can't pay enough to be a great speaker right i mean if the audience doesn't like you i don't care you're not coming back yeah and so you have to be creative and and understand the problems and i think that's the fun part right
1: i think so too i i love that you brought up the comedian thing i i often say that's the closest thing like like think of yourself as a comedian and I always create multiple, you know, parallels between that, but I, that's the perfect one. Like you get immediate feedback. Right. And I do want to say the audience wants you to win, right? The audience yep. is never against you. Like when they yeah, see a the heck- us, <laughs> you,
2: you usually don't have the hecklers, um, yeah, right. but you, you tell a story and you're like, okay, well that one did not land the way I thought. So if-
1: <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there. It's like, yeah. Ooh, okay. <laughs>
2: Scratch that, you know. (laughs) Scratch that one out.
1: But um to that point I've told the same story a couple different places. I'm like, okay, that hit. Okay. So like what was the what was the other audience going through? I don't
2: Don't know. (laughs) Don't
1: give it up. Well Dean, this has been fabulous. Uh thank you so much. Where can people find you and connect with you if they want to get a hold of you?
2: You know, probably one of the best places is uh LinkedIn. That's kind of my main um that's my main social uh territory. So just Dean Hefta, search for it on LinkedIn. I'm the only one there. And um, and then, you know, my website's uh, clarusresults.com, C-L-A-R-U-S results.com. Uh, but LinkedIn's a great, great spot to connect.
1: It is. His LinkedIn is fabulous. It's like leadership mastery is what I think of when I think of your LinkedIn. It's like just beautifully curated. It's all the things. Well, thank you Dean so much for being with us today on the speaker lab podcast friends. I hope you had a fabulous time and learned something absolutely amazing. The number one takeaway was do not take any advice from this podcast. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That is not the number one takeaway. I hope that you had an amazing time in this hour with us. I look forward to the next episode with you all and we will talk to you soon. Have a great day.
0: Hey, friend, are you ready to get serious about taking your speaking business to the next level? Maybe you are someone who is looking for ways to book more paid gigs, or maybe you're trying to figure out all the different things that go into building a successful speaking business. Or perhaps you are an experienced speaker who wants to scale your speaking business to multiple six figures. If that's you, I'd encourage you to visit thespeakerlab.com slash call. Again, thespeakerlab.com slash call and book a free, no obligation call with our team. And if you're not quite ready to take that leap, I don't want you to hesitate in checking out all the free resources that we have available to you on our website, including this podcast. So head over to thespeakerlab.com. Again, thespeakerlab.com. Find hundreds of blog posts, how-to guides, podcast episodes, email scripts, proposal templates, and so much more. Finally, I got a big favor. I would love for you to leave us a rating or review for this podcast. We read every single one and it also helps other speakers find valuable free resources that they can use to build their own speaking careers. As always, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.